Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beck. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bob in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. I'm Christy from The Sleep Teacher. I'm Beck, And we are back for another week of Sleep Talk. This week we have a very exciting Q&A coming your way. Beck's kids have gone back to work, so you're all... You're, school? Oh, school, same thing, yeah. Old enough to go back, old enough to get a job now, Can they? they please start paying some bills? That would be awesome. Old enough. <laughs> Never too young to start working, boys. Yeah. I do get them to, um, well, one of them to unpack the dishwasher, so, you know. That's a job, that's a job. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes, back into the hustle of... That's the one thing I do really enjoy on school holidays is just like slowing down in yeah. the mornings and not rushing out the door. It is chaos, isn't it, once they oh do go to school? Gosh. I remember always being like, oh, I just can't wait till they're at school, like just to have that, you know, bit of time to get things sorted and whatnot. Once yeah. you're at school, those days are so short. Like It's just that time pressure yeah. as well of like – Nine to three goes really to, quick. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really – been like it was nice last week just to wake yeah. up and not have to rush and obviously still had to go to work but it's just nice having that extra half an hour yeah. to like knock his shoe on your socks on quick where's your lunch yes yes <laughs> the door in the car so, please yeah. on <laughs> it's so hectic especially when you're doing it solo <laughs> i know i know it's, uh, but yeah, yeah you, we've got, got a good, pretty good rhythm so you do it so well i honestly i can't tell you beck does like week on week off with her hubby home and three little ones like under the age of five she's honestly amazing yes, puts me to shame uh, and no <laughs> it's that yeah you know and again just comes back to having those routines and yeah. the kids knowing and sleeping well and that's why I can do it mm. it's hard don't get me wrong but it all helps you know yeah. getting that good sleep and stuff so yes mm. and last week it was funny last week we were chatting about how we had been watching Firefly Lane and we got so many messages through saying oh my god I've started or I've watched it and how good it was and we thought like it should be a bit of a thing now because we always are like going back and forth with each other saying what are you watching what do you uh, what how is yeah. it debriefing about things so we thought you guys are watching TV as much as us. So we thought we would do some Please. recommendations. So Yes, and send yours yeah, in too because I really always, want to especially, <laughs> yeah, when my husband's away, I've got that time. We sometimes watch shows together, but then I've got ones that I watch hmm. that probably aren't Beck so only, much. Look, she only watches <laughs> Sex and the City every time I talk to her. She's like, oh, I'm watching. No, um, and, just, I, and the other day. I watched Friends. The other day I spoke to her and she was like, oh, I'm watching um, and just like that. And I said, oh, you're finally not watching Sex and the City anymore. She goes, um. Yeah, it's a sequel. <laughs> oh, I love it. it. And just like that, is it's just not the same without Sam, but, you know, I'm just a diehard fan. I'm always oh. going to love it. I love oh, Carrie, no, but even she though she's is, annoying. I think she's coming back. Yeah, I heard this or something. Is she coming back for it? Please don't say. And I just so want her to. I was watching the, uh, the second episode and I just I message a friend and I'm like, it's just really missing Sam. It, she just makes it. But anyway, I'm still going to watch. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Come on, get on board. 
Righto. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it and I'll give you a little bit of a bit of feedback next week. Thank you. <laughs> Righto. Well, we have got another Q&A coming your way this week, which, as I mentioned before, there are some good questions this week. So yeah, let's get onto it. Let's dive in. So some of these questions may seem obvious, but when you're in the trenches of sleep deprivation and you're questioning everything, it can seem a little overwhelming. Some of the most commonly asked questions this week were, and I'll run through these for you, and then we're going to go through and break them all down and answer them one by one. But there was blockout blinds and white noise. When do we stop using these? And this one, honestly, we get asked this every single week. Number two, what is a sleep association? Three, how to have a routine and still have a life. And I totally get this, but trust me, you're going to want to hear our answer. How to know if your little one is over or undertired? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. And resettling, where do we start? So regardless of where you're at in your stage of parenting and baby sleep, we have you covered today. So let's dive in, Beck. Okay. So blackout blinds and white noise, when do we stop using them? Well, for me, never. <laughs> I love white noise and a dark room. Who doesn't? Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you this, right? Like, Don't you dance. I love white noise too. I really do. And when we were traveling Australia in our like caravan, we relied on it quite heavily, being five of us in the, like a shoebox and Lots of external noises going on, so it definitely helped. But Beck and I went away for a work trip a couple of years ago, and we had to share a room. And Wasn't that in the vault, Christy. <laughs> and we were going up, and she goes, oh, "I hope you don't mind. I've just got my white noise machine." And she pulled it out. It's actually your white noise machine. <laughs> oh, was it the shushi? I thought that's when the shushi came to mind. But <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, so as a like. 30-something-year-old lady, she's still carrying around her portable white noise machine. <laughs> yeah, so, but for children, we think it's great while still having the nap, especially if you've got, like, siblings running around. It can just help block out that external noise. So, you know, even if you, after 12 months, some parents like to start to wean it off, which, you know, is quite easy. You just sort of turn it down over sort of a few days. It's not one to worry about having white noises in like, is my baby going to rely on it every sleep? No, it's just it can help get them to sleep in like sort of longer stretches, especially in the early hours of the morning where, you know, birds, garbage trucks, all that sort of thing. They're in such light sleep that anything can sort of pull them out of that. So that, yeah, that's why we sort of love the white noise. Yeah. And even too, like not only with the nap, but as you said, like the early mornings, I find like as my little ones, as they entered like that toddler preschool sort of stage and a little bit of FOMO set in, if dad got up early in the morning to get ready for work or I was getting ready to go for like a workout or something, like it was just that when they were in that really light phase of sleep in the morning, those creaky floorboards or those kneecaps, <laughs> anything could yes. wake them. So it just helped to act as a buffer, I guess, for those outside noises or even like people leaving for work outside closing car doors and starting cars you know if your bedrooms are situated like at the front of the house or whatever it can just be those little noises that can yeah and you can then you know make a coffee or something and not mm. be so like oh I can't make a noise because the baby's going to wake up but yeah in saying you know lots of bubs will sleep at daycare and not need the white noise so it's not no. something that's going to stop them from going to sleep it can just help 
that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. We do get a like a lot of people worried that their little one is going to become so reliant on the white noise that they can't sleep without it. And I think to be 100% honest, I really do feel that it's no different to your baby being used to sleeping with no white noise and having white noise on. Mm. It's just a noise that's on in the background. It's really not that big of a deal. And like Beck said, you can just gradually turn that volume down over time. When you do, want, yeah, want to get rid of it. Yeah. is quite reliant on it. And dark room, I think everyone sleeps better in a dark, well, most people will sleep better in a dark room. I find the darkness helps, especially in summer, uh, for, you know, the 5am sun beaming in. I still use it for my six-year-old. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> They're all sleeping till seven, which is amazing. I think yeah, dark or weather is a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, what about you? Love it. Oh, yeah. And oh, absolutely. And not only like the, you know, daylight savings as well. So in New South Wales, you obviously don't have it there in Queensland, but, but it can be light here till nine o'clock at night in oh, daylight yeah, savings. Yeah. So it definitely helps there. But I think too, like as we know, a sleep consultant, sleep hormones are produced so much more, far more readily in the dark. So it helps to get those nice sleep hormones, that melatonin flowing. So yeah, it works in a multitude of ways. But and if I would definitely like three-year-olds being like in daylight savings, like, mum, the sun's knit down. Yeah. I'm not going to bed. It's not dark yet. <laughs> oh yeah. My girls try that all the time. <laughs> None of my friends are <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely would hold on, especially while they're still having a nap, because it does help to set the scene, that nice dark room. And like you touched on before, everyone sleeps better in the dark. Mm -hmm. So just being able to wind down and it also removes stimulation too in the room if it's nice and dark. And you don't need to spend a whole lot of money. Like I know you could get blockout blinds, but even mm. just the grow blinds are great. They suction yep. onto the window. And they're quite yep. big as well. Some people use alfoil, which can, you know. Like cardboard, yep. like blue tack to your window. You don't have to go out and get actually professionally installed blockout blinds. Um, it might be interesting from the outside of your house, but that's okay because you're getting sleep. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It is so funny. I remember I rocked up to a home visit once and they had like nappy boxes because they knew it was They went to this uh, massive effort to block out any little crack of light. They had like nappy boxes like on oh, the window. But yeah, yeah. honestly, you can get, yeah, the ergo blinds are great for like stick on. The grow blinds great. You can pack them up and take them on holidays if you, you know. Yeah. There's lots of different it. alternative ways you can do it. It's not make or break, but it absolutely helps. Yeah, definitely. So I guess just to recap on that, when do you remove them? Obviously when, you know, it suits you, but our recommendation would definitely be to hold on to both white noise and dark room until your little one stops napping because, uh, yeah, it really does help to just set the scene and remove any outside stimulation. Yes. So question number two this week was, yeah, what is a sleep association? A sleep association is a word that is getting, you know, commonly used now. It's become quite a term and it is essentially something that your little one associates with sleep. So they will associate that with falling asleep and therefore staying asleep. So it could be something as simple as the obvious ones like rocking to sleep, holding to sleep, feeding to sleep, or it could be something such as, you know, a dummy. Yep. Dummy, thumb sucking, playing with their earlobes, twirling their hair. There's twirling mum's hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've even had like, you know, and uh, going to complete extremities, like some children are used to like holding mum's nipple. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's just can, something that your yeah. little one will associate with falling asleep. And it's most of the time happens through, they might do it 
as a one-off, you know, like stroking your hair, whatever it is, then, oh, that works well. I'm going to do that again. It's that pattern. It's that repetition. And that then the baby learns, okay, this is how I go to sleep. Yeah. It just becomes all they know. So it could be, yeah, anything like that. But basically they will rely on that to fall asleep and then they'll look for that again to induce sleep. So in between sleep cycles, which is what you'll usually see during the day around that sort of 40 minute mark. In between sleep cycles, they will either catnap and wake and you'll get them up and then they'll have another 40 minute nap later on, or you'll have to resettle and provide that same sleep association to get them back to sleep for another sleep cycle. Yeah. Overnight, you usually will see that their sleep cycles are obviously a little bit longer overnight. So you won't see the 40 minute wakes. You usually see probably two to four hourly. Usually with a stronger sleep association, it's probably more closer to the two hours. You will see that they wake looking for either potentially that feed or you'll be doing the dummy run and popping that dummy back in or a little bum pat, whatever it is, whatever your little one relies on to induce sleep, they will look for between sleep cycles more often than not. Yeah, that's not to say that all babies will do that, but a lot of babies, like you do have those babies who can be fed to sleep, have a dummy and sleep well. But obviously the ones we see, which are a lot, do wake up and look for that same thing or wake up and need help. And Yeah, the trouble with the resettle is the sleep association can sometimes not work as well in the middle of the night than what it did at the start of the night, which is where you can get those lengthier wakes. But yeah. And I think one thing like we always stress is if you follow us for a while, you'll know there is nothing wrong with doing any of these things, especially if they're working for you. And it is one of those things like while it is working and while you can get your baby to bed really quickly by, you know, that feeding or rocking, don't stress about it. It's when it gets to the point that you're like, okay, you know what? This is becoming unsustainable for me now, either for the reason that I can't sustain waking every two hours overnight and providing that to resettle you. I know that you need longer stretches of sleep or I'm returning to work. I know that I can't sustain this. Someone else is going to have to settle you. Whatever the reason is. Or just because, yeah, you just don't want to do it anymore, which is yeah. fine in itself. It's not selfish. It's just you want to prioritize sleep again. Yeah. So that's where our like sleep guides or services can help you because we understand that it can be a bit daunting trying to like, where do we start? But just know that, yeah, we can definitely help with that sort of stuff. You would look at, first of all, I guess, working on that self-settle and removing that association at the start of sleep. And then after that, you'll find that those consolidations will fall into place. Sleep deprivation, it is tough. I have been there and I know it's not fun. It's a tough gig being a parent, let alone a sleep-deprived parent. So whether you're dealing with cat napping from a four-month-old or bedtime battles with a four-year-old, we have the tools and support to help guide you to a better night's sleep. No more fighting the nap, no more fighting bedtime, no more night wakes. You don't have to just survive on this parenting journey of broken sleep. You can really thrive. Our team have supported over 15,000 families worldwide and we want to help you. Please don't put up with another night of broken sleep. Find our details in our show note and get started. We could sort of probably segue onto our resettling question, like where to start, because that was number five this week. As I just touched on, we would work on the self-settle first. So it's one of those things, and like Beck mentioned before, not all babies, but most babies will need to master that self-settle first before we can look at expecting them to be able to resettle on their own. Because if they can't self-settle, it's really hard to expect them to be able to put themselves back to sleep if they can't actually initially put themselves to sleep. Especially when that sleep pressure is now lowered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So going into a sleep cycle at the start of sleep with the self-settle, 
Sleep pressure is usually pretty high. The drive to sleep is pretty high because they're due for a sleep. But after they've had off the back of like a 30, 40 minute nap, that little pressure has been taken off and sleep pressure is a lot lower. So it can be a lot harder to teach that resettle. And resettling, it takes a lot more patience, I feel, than the self-settle because <laughs> it's one of those things I think you go like, oh my God, you can put yourself to sleep. Why can't you resettle? So yeah, just be mindful. It does take a little longer than the self-settle to master, but if you can get that self-settle down pat, you'll find the resettle a lot easier. And it becomes a lot easier too from around the sort of five-month month. month. Mm. Prior to that, it's a little bit tricky. Like it's developmentally normal to see those catnaps emerge, but go easy on yourself. Don't stress that you're doing something wrong there. Like it is super normal and super common to see those 40-minute naps prior to five months. But after that age, you can definitely get the tools in place to start to see longer stretches of sleep and naps as well. Yes. Now, how do we have a routine and still have a life? Oh my God. Routine is life. Yeah, I think that's a misconception with having a baby on a routine is that you have to be home and have them sleeping in the cot and they can't sleep anywhere else. But it's really not the case, especially with the sleep teacher guides. We really advocate for nap one and nap three to be out and about and still having car naps and pram naps and contact naps and all that sort of thing. So it's really just when at home, you know that you can pop your baby into the cot and they can have a longer sleep. But yeah, you always have your routine and then when things come up, you have that troubleshooting, that you have that flexibility to be like, okay, this is what we've got to do. So this is what the day is going to look like today. And it doesn't mean that your whole day is going to be off or your night sleep is going to be terrible. It's just going to look different that day. That's all it is. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with routine. A lot of people think that it's so strict and rigid, but you actually have so much more flexibility, I feel, because you know your baby's a bit more predictable. You understand like when they would be due for that next nap a little bit more. It makes it easier to adapt, I feel. It takes the guesswork out. You know they're not tired, they're hungry or they're bored or you know that, oh, you've just had a sleep so I know you're good, you know, change the scenery up or we can do something. There's probably people that as adults hate routines. I'm one of those people that I love routine, like I thrive off it. Yeah. We find most babies do as well. So it's all they know too sometimes. Like routine is usually all they know. Mm -hmm. So they know like, for instance, like when you start your wind down routine, that means bedtime. Like they know that when they're out of their sleep sack, it's playtime. Like they just know because they thrive on that consistency. It's a pattern that's, you know, that behavioral pattern starts to set in. But I think too, like we just recently spoke with, I'm not sure if you've listened to our episode with Monica, one of our clients. She has twins and then we've recently worked with her seven and a half month old Amber. And she said like she just cannot believe now how much having a routine has created like me time for her and actually made her life so much easier. Yeah. She has more of a life now on a routine than she did before. She makes plans because she knows when her baby's going to be napping or she knows when her baby's going to be in a good mood. Like in a, And know, she's not anxious every morning, you know. Going into it, not knowing what to expect. Yeah. So in terms of how to have a routine and still have a life, in our opinion, like routine does actually create more of a predictable life for you. And it just means trying not to skip a nap. So if you did have to go out that day, you're still going to offer your baby a nap, just like you wouldn't skip a meal if they're due a milk feed. You're not just going to, oh, we're out, so we're not going to, you know, give them. We're not going to eat lunch. Right. So it's just about still offering a nap, even if you are out of the house and you can't have them in the cot that day. Yeah. And our routines as well, like we are parents, we understand 
and um, we have school drop off and all that. Yeah, we have all that up our sleeves as well. So we understand. And that's why our routines definitely and we advocate for that short, long routine because it just fits in with your life so much easier, so much more flexibility. And it means like you can have that short morning nap if you're on three naps, that short late afternoon nap as well on the go. And if, if you can be home for one nap a day in the middle of the day, well, not only does it mean that you're getting like potentially two hours just Netflix, a <laughs> little bit of like downtime on the lounge, whatever you choose to do with that, no judgment. Um, but I think like, yeah, great. And if you can't, like you have the tools to be able to go, you know what, I'm going to split that lunch up today because we've got to be somewhere and you'll understand, you'll know what to do. But yeah, don't feel that routine is going to create like you're going to be a prisoner in your own home because it's not the case. So in terms of routine, it also means that you'll have a better understanding too of like your baby's tired signs and their awake windows and when they're going to be due for that next nap. And that's going to give you a really good indication of, okay, cool, are they overtired? Are they undertired? Which was actually also one of our questions this week too in terms of how to know when your little one is overtired or undertired. And to be honest, some of these can overlap. Like you might think that your little one isn't quite ready for sleep. They're undertired because they might seem a little bit wired a little bit ready to party but in the same sense they could actually overtake display like the same yeah <laughs> so that's saying like the second wind so they're basically getting that release of cortisol that stress hormone you might have seen that lull set in they might have been a little bit glazed a little bit like low in energy but then all of a sudden they've picked up and that's usually something we see quite commonly at bedtime like parents say they just aren't ready for bed at 6 30 but come like, you know, eight o'clock, they're, <laughs> they're still ready to party. And it's like, yep, you've probably just missed that window. So in terms of knowing when they're overtired or undertired, apart from the obvious trying to stick to that age-appropriate awake windows, there are some signs you can look for. Overtired, again, would be like, yeah, they're just a little bit wired and restless. We tend to see that if an overtired baby goes down for their nap, they're quite unsettled for the nap, like they'll be quite upset and then they will bang on, wake up at 30 minutes or yeah. for 30 struggle, Yeah, They struggle to get into a deep phase of sleep. So, so it's it like, can be quite it's rest. usually a really quick settle, but they're upset and then they'll bang on, wake 30 or before. So that's usually, they're probably overtired. We generally see an undertired baby take a little bit more time to fall asleep at the beginning of the nap, but generally sleep longer, so towards your 40 to 45 minutes, and then wake up sort of happy and mm. like they're done. So there's no science behind that. That's just something we have observed. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think a really good indicator is to try, like, is it bedtime? Because you can usually tell off the back of that last nap how they respond at bedtime. Like if you normally would find your little one is going okay with settling, you don't really have any issues with that at bedtime. If all of a sudden you start to notice they're fighting it a little bit more, potentially undertired, or if going down at bedtime but waking shortly after quite alert, then perhaps undertired and that awake window isn't big enough. Or are they going down absolutely emotional and fighting it and waking, like seeming quite restless overnight, waking early in the morning, could be overtired. Yeah, so, typically... You know, wakes around that nine-ish mark, sometimes point. We would always question, okay, what was that lead up like? Were they awake mm. a little bit too long before bedtime? 
Yeah. We would normally see like that first stretch of night sleep overnight is usually fairly consolidated if your little one has gone to bed like within their age-appropriate awake window and, you know, naps have been good throughout the day. But if you see wake-ups around that 8.30, 9, 9.30 at night and they're quite upset and restless, then that's usually like a pretty good indication that, yeah, more likely they're overtired and you may just need to pull back on that afternoon awake window. But it is tricky at night when you're looking at false starts and all that sort of thing because, like we said earlier, they can look really similar and it can have to do with nap three, the awake window before bed. Like So it gets a little bit tricky as your baby gets to that sort of five, six, seven-month mark when we start to play around with, you know, do they need a little bit more awake time after that little short nap before bed? But, yeah, there's some sort of starting points that you can have a look at your routine and try and work that out. So if you're currently questioning whether your little one is over or undertired, like that is definitely something we can help you with. We do have a quick fix consult, which is perfect for those people whose baby can already self-settle, but you just need help with that sort of single issue, just a little bit of troubleshooting. We will link the quick fix consult in our show notes. But in terms of the resettling, because we've spoken a bit lot about that in the sleep associations today, our sleep guides are honestly perfect for helping you identify what your sleep association is and what could potentially be causing those wakes and that broken, like that catnapping through the day. So we will link the sleep guide as well in our show notes. But if you have any other questions, please feel free to send us an email or a DM over on Instagram. We are always here to help. But yes, thank you so much for joining us for today's Q&A. As I said, Beck and I really do love these because it's a little bit of a mixed bag and yeah. I like it. I like the tricky ones though. <laughs> so yeah, keep your eyes peeled for next week's question box because yeah, you never know. We could be answering your question. Thanks guys. Thank you. Go get those naps in. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night. <laughs>